Hello, 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 and welcome back to Deconstructing Disney here on the Commenter Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the making, origin, and lasting impact of Disney films. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. And this week, we'll be taking a look at Disney's 1951 Alice in Wonderland. Dun-dun! This is the last Deconstructing Disney of the year. We glad you guys like this series so much. Our Cinderella episode did absolute numbers. Hi everybody from TikTok who saw that and then listen, y'all the real ones. Um, but today we're gonna be doing Alice in Wonderland, and um, let's first ask everybody when was the first time you ever encountered Alice in Wonderland, and is this your first time watching the animated movie? Let's go ahead and start with um, Marin. Um. God, my memory's bad, but I it has to be my first encounter of Alice in the Wonderland. Besides simply knowing the name because Disney mm-hmm. would be the live action movie they made. Um Okay. So yeah. And watching it two weeks ago was the first time I watched this film. Oh, okay, okay. What about you, Corey? Um, so for me, I know for a fact I've seen the animated like Disney one at least like mm-hmm. five times when I was a child, and I've seen like the live action one a lot. My grandma like really likes Alice in Wonderland, so okay, okay, very cool. What about you, Nia? Yeah, I saw this heavy as a kid. This is like my legit my favorite Disney movie. I have to admit, um, and I'm pretty biased because I know. It's not the best movie, if we could call it that, but I love this movie. It's a, to me, it's like, it fulfills that um, Wizard of Oz, fish out of water stuff I love. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I, I saw this movie as a kid all the time, and then I just rewatched it again uh, yesterday for this. Okay, so I definitely have seen the animated film before. Um, I probably have the VHS somewhere downstairs. Um, Alice in Wonderland is one of those that I love the live action more than I like the original animated version. Um, that was obviously for a reason because I fell asleep twice while trying to watch it. Now, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Alice in Wonderland is um was released. The animated original was released in 1951. Um, it's an animated musical fantasy comedy film. Who wrote this on Wikipedia? Produced by Walt Disney Productions. Um, let's see. Alice in Wonderland stars Catherine Beaumont. She was a 12-year-old who actually voiced Alice, She and she acted out her entire performance for the animators. Um, she was also Wendy and Peter Pan. We have Bill Thomas, who played the White Rabbit, who would later voiced the pirate Shmee and Peter Pan, Jock the Terrier from The Lady and the Trip, and Scrooge McDuck. Um, J. Pat O'Malley, who voiced Tootle and Tootle Dumb, and all the other characters in the Walrus and the Carpenter sequence, um, later played by... Um, Later played Elephant Cole, Hathi, and the Vulture Buzzle in the Jungle Book. Verna Feltzen, the queen she is, she's in everything, who played the fairy godmother of Cinderella before is now, she also voiced the queen of hearts in Alice. And she would later play Aunt Sarah in the Lady and the Tramp, Flora and the Queen Lee in Sleeping Beauty, and Winifred the Elephant in Jungle Book. Last but not least, we have Sterling Holloway, who played the Cheshire Cat. He also played the Python Ka and Jungle Book, though he was uh, most famous for playing Winnie the Pooh in several shorts. The film contains some very amazing um, voice casts and directing animators. And uh, the movie, uh, we'll do cost and stuff in a second, but let's go ahead and jump in and start into recapping Miss Alice in Wonderland. When I tell you, 
<laughs> this is some of the longest 75 minutes I've had since, since Snow White. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just jump into it. So, Alice in Wonderland starts off with our lovely little blonde-haired, blue-eyed, blue-dressed Alice. I don't know why her dress and her eyes are the same colors. That was freaky. Um, she's sitting... Is that her mother or her nanny? Is it her I nanny? I thought it was her teacher. teacher. Oh, go ahead, the, um, the Somewhere, I think it's her au pair is that what it's called or something like that so that's what something said online oh okay don't know what that is <laughs> like a, it's but, a, isn't it like a babysitter like yeah, yeah like a babysitter like a nanny. nanny or something okay so um she's with her babysitter slash nanny and she's sitting on a tree um and they're reading the tales of Canterbury. um fun fact i can actually recite the tales of Canterbury, the first verse by heart, thanks to an extra credit product, an extra credit assignment in my English class. <laughs> so that was interesting. But she's reading it. She doesn't want to read. Um, she doesn't want to learn about history. She doesn't think she doesn't like the book because it's boring because it has no pictures. And you know what? I kind of feel you on that sometimes, sis. Um, she's like, in her world, all of her books will be made of pictures. Like your world. How silly is that? And so she. I think this is when they had the first musical number. And I was just like, hmm, that was random. I don't know what this does for the plot. Um, we find out later there, there is no plot. Um, so <laughs> she's singing and then she sees a white rabbit. And this white rabbit has on a full tuxedo and a clock. And this child proceeds to follow said rabbit. Now, her and her cat, she goes to follow this rabbit into this tunnel. She says, and I think I quote, we really shouldn't be doing this. But then why the hell are you still going down the rabbit hole? So, we go down this rabbit hole. She falls off a cliff, of course. And then the cat, you know, doesn't fall off a cliff. But she falls off a cliff. And, you know, instead of having the normal reaction of a human being is to scream, (laughs) she's like, everything is perfectly fine because her dress turns into an umbrella and i was just like oh this movie is a whole acid trip because <laughs> like <laughs> nobody very in this unrealistic movie, very unrealistic i was like okay <laughs> here we go so she's floating down so she's like oh what if i fall through the ends of the, like fall right through the earth onto the other side people walk upside down and i'm like sis little I was like, is is this a product of why white people have no preservation of life? Like, first of all, <laughs> this couldn't have been anybody black or anybody of color because why would I ever follow a rabbit that had on clothes and a watch that was talking <laughs> into a tunnel? And then falling, falling, like free falling through gravity and then gravity not working at some point. And not have I would tr- I would have a missile breakdown right at the beginning of the movie, but Alice is obviously not built like us regular folks. She <laughs> <laughs> she's on a different breed, and so she lands, um, um, at the, the this the in front of this door, and she tries. Oh well, she sees the white rabbit go into the door, so she tries to follow the white rabbit, and then the doorknob starts talking. Listen. The trip is just starting, children. <laughs> She's, the door that I was talking is like, you can't get through, you're way too big. And so he offers her a random drink and she just drinks it. And I'm just like, 
where are your parents? <laughs> I probably have to realize that this is 18th century, probably Europe somewhere. So I don't think they told children about stranger danger. But um, to the kids who are listening, uh, to the kids who are listening, our audience is literally from 23 to like 27 <laughs> majority. But if you're a kid who's listening to this, do not take drinks from stranger because they could, I don't know, shrink you. <laughs> so, <laughs> drinks drink and it shrinks her and the, the door's like haha I'm locked it still won't open and then so here's and then he gives her a piece of bread and she grows big and I'm just like this is insanity <laughs> for a children's movie <laughs> and so she eats that and then she's too big she starts crying and literally her tears are like causing earthquakes and shit and so you're <laughs> like alright this is the, this is where we're going with this <laughs> she drinks the drink again and rides her tears through the doorknob's mouth and into Tori, Wonderland. You know what's so funny? When the way you just the fact that I saw this and I'm like, yes, that happened. But when you say it back, I'm like, wow, this happened. Um someone actually had to write this down. Like no, as a plot. I'm interested to see the original from the book. Was it I don't I don't know. We have so much to discuss. Okay. So I think once she gets through here, this is when she's tiny. So then she goes through this like whole sequence of meeting all of these insects, right? And I think the first person she meets, well, the first significant person she meets is the caterpillar. If am I not wrong? Am I right? Um, wait. I think before then she like meets the the bird and like the fish that are marching in a circle. Yes. And then they do like the dance, and they're like, "Oh, you can get dry by dancing with us in a circle." And she's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and then it makes she, no sense. And then she sees the white rabbit and follows him into the forest. And so she sees the, who does she see first? She sees the, um, was it the twins? No. Yeah. Oh yeah, she the twins. Sees, yes. Yeah, she sees the twins. She meets sure before the caterpillar. Yeah. Oh, she has that whole sequence where she meets the walrus. Oh, no, the where oh, they yeah. meet like the 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 dodo bird. She's like Mr. Dodo Bird, help me, because she's like stuck in a glass jar, and this insane <laughs> motherfucking dodo bird is like, it's just, and so she like she has that whole little sequence, and then she gets out of the bottle somehow, and now she's on the ground, and that's when she meets Tootie and Tootadum, and Tootie and Tootadum for some reason recount her entire mini-sode like we had a mini-sode inside the movie about the walrus and the carpenter and I, it was so funny because like memories from my childhood were popping up and I was just like oh I've definitely remembered this oyster scene and so <laughs> this is this, this very cruel scene about how this walrus and this carpenter trick a bunch of baby oysters out of the ocean and then eat them and I was like why <laughs> is this a part of the plot because there is no plot but i was just like okay and so um so after they recount this tale she tracks the rabbit to his house and she mistakes um he mistakes her as like the housemaid and so the rabbit's like really got shit he the rabbit has shit to do and alice is in the fucking way if we're gonna be honest <laughs> she's like where are you going what are you doing this rabbit's like i ain't got time to talk to you about that and so then this like this pyromaniac dodo bird comes up so what happens is is that alice gets in this rabbit's house and she's trying to help this man look for his gloves and then she finds and eats another cookie and then grows big and then gets stuck in his house somehow without the house 
bursting up around her. I don't know how physics obviously don't work in Wonderland. And so then, the, the you know, the rabbit's freaking out, rightfully so, because there's this giant woman in his house. And then the dodo bird is like, oh, let me help you. We're just going to set the shit on fire. I said, what? What's the logic? Why is there a pyromaniac dodo bird in this stupid movie? I was like, he's like, yeah, we just have to burn her. We just have to smoke her out. And so then... Alice escapes by eating a carrot from the rabbit's garden, which breaks, for me, the world building of this entire movie. Um, she eats a carrot from the rabbit's garden, and she turns small. This is when she shrinks. It's so small that she's on the level with the insects. So she continues to follow the rabbit, and Alice goes into a garden. Um, and she's, like, talking to the flowers who were rude as fuck. <laughs> They're like... They're like, you're not a flower. You don't smell nice. They called her some scientific name that sounded real offensive. And I was like, they called her a weed. I was like, excuse you. <laughs> that was mean. <laughs> so um, there's another song that happens that I don't remember. Um, so um, then Alice encounters a caterpillar. And so this the caterpillar, uh, hookah smoking caterpillar. <laughs> Who could smoke a caterpillar who's like singing songs and blowing out smoke rings? And I was just like, so y'all just replaced the cigarettes with who could now? That's just that's where I was going with that thought. But, um, um, so I don't remember really what their conversation was about because I was he just was like, like, okay, this was my f- this was like he because this is a moment I was like, now what's happening a little bit because she because he was like, who are you? And the smoke moves with his mouth, and so it hits her in the mm-hmm. face. And then she's like, I don't know who I am. I'm like, sis, you just like what's happening? Are you losing your memory? Is wonder <laughs> like I feel like that's where they could have done some lore stuff, but it mostly their conversation was like, who are you? And she's like, I don't know who I am. I'm so confused. Who are you? Right. And he's like, I don't need that's to tell you who I am. Amnesia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then, then they have like, this thing. He's like reciting to her this like poem. And then she's like, I've yes. never heard that that way. About and then she's like, and he's like, Well, no, okay, leave. And then she leaves. And he's like, No, come back. <laughs> and then and then they're like, um, he's like, I think you should go this way. And then she's like, Okay. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So then the caterpillar gets mad at Alice for some reason, turns into a butterfly, but he's like, Hey, before I leave just know that one side of that mushroom will turn you big and the other side will turn you small. And so Alice basically figures out that she eats a little bit or licks a little bit of the one side of the mushroom. She can grow to her proper size. That's after she grows into a flipping giant that's taller than a tree and almost killed a mother and all her eggs. And rightfully so, the mother bird was very angry because what in the, <laughs> what in the, what is going on? And so, um, she gets to her right size, and this is when she goes into this like really spooky forest. Mm-hmm. Am I mm-hmm. wrong? Yeah. yeah, she goes into the spooky yeah, forest where like all of the animals are also instruments. And then this is the moment where she starts to cry, and I was like, okay, that's very. She's like, who's gonna find me? But who would look for me here? And I was like, that's why your ass shouldn't <laughs> follow a rabbit down a rabbit hole, like sis. Yeah, I'm gonna just call it late. Sh- I'm gonna call this a late stage shock and trauma response because, like, she was like, "Oh my god!" and she's like crying and then started singing, and I was like, "Okay, you lost me. You lost me. <laughs> we were on a minute, and then you lost me." And so then she gets there, and this is where she meets the Cheshire Cat, and um, she's in the forest crying, 
uh, doesn't know where to go. And then the Cheshire cat, you know, being his little sneaky self, suggests she goes to go to the Mad Hatter um, or the March Fair to learn about the rabbit's locations. And then so she heads to the Mad Hatter's house <laughs> where he's having a tea party and teapots all sing. And it's like way too many teapots on the table. Like, you don't need that many teapots for a tea party. And I honestly don't remember what their conversation is. So, Nigi, you might have to come. <laughs> it's not really a conversation. It's more like Alice is like, I'm trying to, and they cut her off. So she mm. says something and she can't get her sentence out. And they're like, Would you like some tea? Would you like some butter? Would you like some? And then they keep like, it's like a weird, like, nonsense scene where like they cut cuts mm-hmm. in half and then they still are able to fill up tea in the half cut cup they're like pouring tea in their clothes and it's coming out of their other side of their clothes it's it's like a like it's going into like the whole falling into madness like um because it's an unbirthday party so they're celebrating the fact that it's not their birthday um and so then they so mostly alice is trying to explain like oh i this is what happened i got here because my cat and they're like the mouse in the teapot's like cat and he freaks out (laughs) and they're like and it's a whole like thing where she can't finish her story and then they start singing (laughs) and then the rabbit shows up and the man had ruined his stopwatch and i was just like that man (laughs) is going through it today and then the cheshire cat comes back and he offers her a path to go see the queen of hearts and so we go to the Queen of Hearts and she goes into the garden and she finds that the the red cards are or the black cards are painting the white roses red. And it's a song. And she even joins in on the song. She's like, sorry, why are you painting the white roses red? It's because the queen won. And if we don't do it, it's off with our heads. And so it's this whole little sequence. And then the queen comes out and she's like, who painted my white roses red? And I'm like, okay, this is a little bit of fam- fam- familiarity. And so then... Um, she, you know, off with the heads of the people who painted the white roses red. And then, um, Alice tries to explain. And then she's like, do you play croquet? And now they're playing croquet with the cards as the little, the little, the little goalpost and flamingos as the, the croquet bats. And so they're playing croquet and obvious, oh, and hedgehogs as the balls. (laughs) And obviously, Nobody but the queen is gonna win because the hedgehogs move where they the queen asked them to move, and so there's this whole other little sequence, and so then um but you know Alice you know she's a smart twelve year old all of a sudden and figures out a way to get the flamingo to actually hit the ball and she almost wins and the queen is like off with her head and then the king who's like two feet tall not even two feet that man's like a a good thirteen inches off the ground. <laughs> Um, the king is like, why don't we have a trial? And they try to have a trial. And the Cheshire cat is just out here causing mad chaos. Um, because every time he causes something, she try- Alice tries to point him out. Um, they bring in the Dormouse and the Mad Hatter as witnesses. And I'm like, oh, babe, you're going to jail or death <laughs> because <laughs> they done brought the wrong people. Um, so as the queen orders Alice's executions. Alice eats a mushroom. She goes superly large momentarily. However, the effect is long lived, forcing Alice to flee from the deteriorating wonderland where a large crowd pursued. And when she reaches the small door and the door locks, like, ha ha ha, I'm still locked. She sees herself through the keyhole sleep and emerges from her dreams and returns home for tea with her sister. I guess it's okay. I think it's her sister. 
So yeah, and that ends the 1951 Disney animated version of Alice in Wonderland. Dun dun. Um, what was everybody's reaction after finishing the movie? Marin? Mm, that was long. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it wasn't my favorite, I guess, because it was so nonsensical, which I understand was the purpose, but it just wasn't mm-hmm. for me. Okay, okay. Corey, what about you? Um, when I finished it, I remember as a kid, like, being like, what the fuck is this? And I kind of had the same reaction this time around, too. Because it was just, like, a lot of just weird stuff happening. And, like, mm-hmm. I also immediately was like, oh, yeah, I like the live action, like, way more than, like, the animated version. Same, same. Um, I was just like, this, I don't, um... I was just like, yeah, that was, I had to skip through a lot of it because I was like, okay, yeah, there's no plot. There's absolutely yeah. no plot. And I don't know how we regressed. Um, but yeah. And then Nia, what about you? Uh, y'all already know. I mean, I like, <laughs> I love this movie. I guess it's because I just love, well, Wizard of Oz is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And I know that has a bit more plot, but I just love the idea of like going into a magical world where things kind of make no sense. Um, there, and I also rewatching this as an adult, it reminds me so much of like Dr. Seuss stuff, um, kind mm-hmm. of whimsical, doesn't really add up plot wise, but it feels um, un- kind of un- frustrating, kind of uncomfortable. I, I kind of love that in a way where I didn't feel bored. Um, and I know I'm hypocritical because you could say the same thing about like some Pinocchio or like Snow White, depending on uh, how you view those stories. But I just like the the fact that this movie made no sense <laughs> and it was just kind of frustrating because Alice could never really communicate what she wanted to say to people. And then uh, it was, I kind of just, I enjoyed the frustration of it. If that makes sense. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland was, I just, I don't understand how we regressed because it really did feel like I was watching Snow White again where there was like no plot. And it was just like, it felt like this should have been several short animated series. And once we get into the fun facts, maybe it'll make more sense because there was some shit in here. I was like, oh, that kind of explains it. But um, it was interesting. I It's just the, the, there's no like hook in the movie for you to pay attention to. So I was like, if I sat this movie in front of a child... Would they watch it because of colors? Like, if I sat this in front of a six-year-old, I don't think it would hold their attention. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, let's go ahead and jump into <sighs> interesting production facts. My sources come from Oh My Disney, um, a mental floss article by Stacey Conrad, movie phone article by Gary Sussman, a screen rant article by Emily Winningham. Winningham. That's how you pronounce that, I guess. So, Alice cost $3 million to make during production that spanned five years with three directors, 13 credited writers, 750 artists, 800 gallons of paint, 1,000 watercolor hues, 350,000 drawings and paintings. It earned back $2.4 million. Um... The movie made just about $2.1 million when it was released in 1951. It didn't become a cult classic until 15 years later when that would have been, what, 19, the 60s? 
um, mm -hmm. when college-age audiences discovered the film was not unlike an acid trip and began having screenings of it on campus across the country. Um, but over its lifetime since 1951, it's earned $332 million. Um, so this film is the 13th in the Disney official lineup. It was actually been in the work for a good 30 years. Um, they bought the rights to the film, like the rights to the pictures and all of that. Um, I think it said in 1920 something. Uh, let me just keep reading in order. So once the film was finished, no one actually really seemed happy with the final results. Walt said the film had no heart. The animator Ward Kimball called it a loudmouth vaudeville show. There's no de denying that there are many charming bits in her Alice, but it lacks warmth and overall story glue. The film was shot in live action as a reference, which is typical for Disney films around this time. The first idea for the adaptation, though, was actually supposed to be live action and animated hybrid, but that didn't end up going through um there was actually no storybook if you pay attention all of the movies before this had a storybook like mm. opening up in it yeah. so um walt's first hollywood success was actual thank to carol's work um carol is the author of the original um alice in wonderland in 1923 disney combined live action with animation and created a short alice wonderland a comedy about a little girl who dreams herself into cartoon land they were a hit and disney pursued produced 56 of those animated adventures disney was so keen to make an alice movie that he bought the rights to the original illustrations of the book in 1938 so this movie was under production for had been an idea since around 1938 and didn't get in the release until 1951 and so created by sir john tenniel these illustrations remain iconic in the world of wonderland to this day the animation, they were originally going to do the animation style based on these drawings by Tenniel, but the his drawing techniques were too hard that they just scratched that idea. Um, the movie boasts a lot of firsts. It's the first Disney cartoon feature to air on TV. It's first to be released on home video. It's first in the current wave of Disney live action reboots of its animated hits that began with Tim Burton's 2010 smash Alice in Wonderland. Um, the Mad Hatter is actually inspired by the actor who voices him. When designing the characters, animators took inspiration from Edwin. Um, uh, in addition to his likeness, one of the Mad Hatter's famous scenes was completely improv by the actor, which actually pissed off the sound department because the man couldn't mimic his own lines that they had already re recorded. So he decided to go all ad-lib for the scene, so he had to redo the, all the audio. And they were complaining <laughs> about all the noise in the background. Um, so... Ed Wayne is actually a popular comic actor. Um, he was hired to voice the Mad Hatter, becoming the first major celebrity to voice a role in a Disney animated feature. In 1993, mm. Disney... This was shady, and I just had to include it, because we love the drama. In 1933, Disney had picked... Um, I think her name was Mary Pickford. She was a famous old Hollywood... Not Mary Pickford. Uh, I feel like... I don't think that's her last name. But Pickford was like a famous... Um. Yeah, Mary Pickford. She was a famous um Hollywood actress, and so she had been picked for the screen test for the role of Alice, even outfitting her on full Alice regalia. And he scrapped the idea when Paramount picked up Pickford, and then Pickford retired from acting later that year. Goodness gracious! Sounds like some shit was going on in the background. Um. 
Disney hired a visionary, um, Loudis Huxley, who is um, the novelist for A Brave New World, to write the Alex Green play. But he found Huxley's draft too literal from Carroll's actual work. So he decided to, the only way to adapt Lewis Carroll's books was to make the feature entirely animated, not to be too faithful to the nearly plotless tales. Um, inspired by concept art of Unwonderland settings that he solicited from Mary Blair, Disney decided to take the project in a more whimsical, comical direction, but they did pay Huxley $7,500 for his troubles. It was later reported that Huxley's wife um, reported that the script that he made for Disney for Alice in Wonderland was one of his most favorite scripts to write. He's like, it was one of the last times he had fun writing and it mm. never got published. Um, and then we have Disney wanted Alice to have an accent. So this is actually really interesting to me. Easily accessible for English-speaking people. So he hired an English professor from Columbia University for consultation to create a specific phonetic speech pattern for Alice. Most believe that Alice should be English, like Carol, but a lot of um, Alice fans disagreed. So they went with the 12-year-old. She's both, um, I think she's British and English, Catherine Beaumont. And so because she acted the entire movie out, her voice kind of worked which is really interesting to think about because i like i never think about accents when it comes to because i'm not in the voice acting work like that so i thought that was really interesting but the fact that they had had rights to this movie since 1923 kind of tells me that i will i'm well we'll listen to the original in a second like did the original really not have that much plot because for y'all to have all of 750 artists 13 credited writers, and this was the final product? Uh, alright. Um, but yeah, so those are some interesting production facts that I found about Alice in Wonderland. Let's take it over to Nia with information on the music. Okay, cool, cool. So I covered the music for Alice in Wonderland, and interestingly, there's a lot of different stuff compared to what we've known about previous um, Disney movies like Cinderella, um, Snow White, Peter, uh, not Peter Pan, Pinocchio. So this is one of the longest. Um, oh, all of my sources come from Discogs.com, Soundtrack.net, Wikipedia, and BeamingNotes.com um, in the Disney Wiki as well. Um, so something I found was it's one of the longer Disney soundtracks, especially during the time. So it's around 14 to 15 songs, depending on the source. And um, a total of 30 written songs and most of them, like around 14, 15, actually appear in the movie, which is like usually Disney movies only have like a good five that you even know that you actually hear on screen. And mm-hmm. so this was a huge like concentration of songs. Um, but the catch was instead of having them, I don't know if y'all noticed this, but a lot of the songs in this movie are like one to two minutes. If that, some of them are 30 seconds, 20 seconds. Very short. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that, and I think this was intentional. Um, that's why a lot of the reviews I've read said that it was almost op like operatic or opera like, um, where it's not where it's like you're flowing in and out of song like some dialogue is in song or in melody or in time and then some dialogue's not and then you go into a quick song that's 30 seconds and then you go out of it um a lot of these 
things are were very very different for Disney films of the time especially ones that we've previously seen like in the previous ones it's like someone is breaking out in a song and you're gonna have a three minute song <laughs> Snow White's gonna sing Cinderella's gonna sing and then you go back to your regular <laughs> scheduled programming and that's like a proper musical but this was like changing up the format um where they were like putting a bunch of these quick little things musical parts I wouldn't even call them songs because they're like 15 seconds of the white rabbit saying I'm late is not a real song but it's like he's singing I'm late I'm late I'm late but like that's supposed to be an opera type thing um so it means that there's a lot of songs that they tried to fit in this movie um um but also leading off that um Disney's go-to writer Frank Churchill was assigned to write the songs for this movie like Tori said um Mm -hmm. like how Walt wanted to do this years before so he was assigned on to do this in 1939 um and it shows how long Walt has really planned this in his head but none of his songs made it into this movie unsurprising um but the Tin Pan Alley songwriters, the really famous writers that work that wrote on movies like Cinderella, which are Mac David, Al Hoffman, and Jerry Livingston, they wrote some songs for this film, but the only song that got in was the Unbirthday song, which I mean, I guess you could call it the most famous song on the soundtrack, but like who this the a lot of the critical writers that Disney used to call on. The, that's the go-to takeaway I want to like express to folks that for this soundtrack, Disney really got new folks. Um, mm. Many of the people that he was comfortable working with or that he would go to were not involved in this soundtrack. Um, and a lot of, they actually got a lot of composers from like previous movies that worked on Snow White, worked that on P- Pinocchio and Dumbo. And then, but all of their songs didn't make it into these movies, but they some of them bits and pieces melodically were changed and ended up on soundtracks like Peter Pan. We haven't gotten to Peter Pan yet, but a song written by the Tin Alley Pan was changed and it got into the Peter Pan soundtrack. Um, most of the songs for the soundtrack were composed by Sammy Fain and the lyrics were written by Bob Hillard and neither of whom had worked with Disney before. So they were brand new to the Disney team. And uh, after that, they worked with Peter Pan, but it was really, to me, I don't know why Walt, did that because if it ain't broke don't fix it you know like if you have composers that are certified giving you like best song nominations I don't know why all of a sudden I mean I know you'd like to switch stuff up but I don't know why you would make that risk especially with this like this project that you've been so passionate about for like 30 years (laughs) to like hire new folks and try something different when especially since Disney movies during this time were really like the songs were carrying a lot of the weight if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, so that's something I'm really confused I, I, I don't really get and I want to know I might do more research after this because that's kind of puzzled me not saying it's not good to hire new people and that you don't need fresh ideas but like if it ain't broke <laughs> don't fix it um <laughs> Uh, like Tori said, the songs were sung by the cast. Catherine Beaumont sang all of her songs and all the cast members sang their own parts. Um, and a good half of the other songs were composed by Oliver, Oliver Wallace, who had worked on previous Disney movies, but he wasn't the he wasn't the one who was really in charge of this soundtrack. So he, he wrote stuff, but he wasn't the face of it. Um, the most uh, interesting facts is that, well, not in, I mean, they're interesting, but it's not really surprising the all in the golden afternoon and the unbirthday song were based on poems and stories written by Lewis Carroll, who wrote Alice in Wonderland originally, but the Disney versions have nothing to do with lyrically or content wise with their original purposes. Um, So the lyrics in the movie 
are very much have nothing to do with the content they're based on. Um, In the Golden Afternoon, surprisingly, it's a poem that depicts the story of how Lewis Carroll composed Alice Adventures in Wonderland on a boat trip on Oxford to Godstow during the summer of 1862 in the company of three little sisters and one Reverend Robinson Duckworth. But in the movie, it's just a song sung by flowers. (laughs) So it's like there's no connection. It's like Disney didn't even try to like, they they just kind of were taking the title. Like here's a reference, but they weren't like here's let's make this song about this um, it's interesting same- because mm-hmm. um sorry to cut you off but no no I go ahead put this fact in there with like the cheshire a lot of his lines are also based off a poem by carol mm-hmm. so yeah it's, they like, it's really pretty- interesting yeah how they did that because like yeah putting the poems in there with no context really did not like it doesn't add anything to the movie. It's just like, what are we exactly. talking about? <laughs> it's just like a reference. I feel like it's it's like them trying to say, oh, here, nudge, nudge. We put in, you, you know this. If you read Alice Wonderland, you know the unbirthday song. But the unbirthday song, like I'm about to explain to y'all, it has nothing to do with the unbirthday scene in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. The unbirthday story is about in Through the Looking Glass, which is the story, one of the stories of Alice. Um, Humpty Dumpty is wearing a caravat, um, which Alex at first mistakes for a belt, which he says was given to him as an unbirthday present by the white king and queen. Then has Alice calculate the number of unbirthdays in a year. So it's like a puzzle for her. Um, but the song in the movie is like a nonsense song about from the Mad Hatter and the March Hare just cutting up tea bag cups and like throwing butter on a on a <laughs> clock and like <laughs> like the it's like nothing nonsense nothing related um and the soundtrack wasn't released in 1951 but it was released much later um and what's fascinating like i'm i this is like as a fan of this movie i get why it wasn't popular because it doesn't have the disney formula like this is not it's breaking right. all of the norms so of course <laughs> it's not going to do to me, I guess I get why it didn't do as well. Um, it was not nominated for best score, um, not nominated for best song or best original song, which every other Disney movie up until this point had. Like even Dumbo got, I think, got a nomination for best original song. Um, I can't quite remember, even though I covered it. <laughs> um, I apologize. But it was nominated for best scoring of a musical picture. So overall best sound, I believe. But mm-hmm. it was like, it was really the first to not have a lot of, stuff so no nomination for best picture or best and no no nomination for best original song um and none of the songs have appeared in like any top lists of all time so none of them have like been added to like some sort of great american songs canon um and there it was really hard to find these songs in other media the only thing i could really find was that the birthday song was rewritten into a proper birthday song in two episodes of uh the show ducktales um mm. and of course Alice in Wonderland is in the Kingdom Hearts games it's in it's like in is a world and like you see the the Queen of Hearts has a level so like that's a part of what it's that's the only thing off the top of my head and from when I looked at that that you really can see it's in other media um and the thing that's interesting is that I guess the two most popular songs are the unbirthday song and in the golden afternoon and people know painting the roses red but I don't think people know that song um right. and I think like I want to get y'all's opinion in a second, but I truly think the reason why none of these songs have stuck in culture and popular culture is because they're so short and they're really random. Like there's no when you watch this movie, there's no key 
like when for example when cinderella's gonna sing a song like a dream is a wish your heart makes like you you get the build up like she's not just all of a sudden singing it's like okay here comes a song like the the movie kind of lets you know when she's gonna sing Mm -hmm. but with alice it's like they'll go they'll talk and then the song will come in all of a sudden mid-sentence and that's really really hard to get people's attention when you go from dialogue to song back to dialogue within like a minute and a half so um it's like none of these songs have a real structure i mean there's structure there but they're not chorus verse chorus um song structure so i think because these songs are not long and they're not real proper songs um they're more like melodic ideas they i don't i think people are just like yeah they're too short for us to do anything with um and i'm this is just me asking y'all because even though i like in the golden afternoon it's probably the only song on this soundtrack like where the flowers sing Mm -hmm. that's like because that's about two half two and a half minutes three minutes and that's the only like three minute song on this thing Mm -hmm. um i wondered like did y'all one did y'all remember any of these songs when you heard them and two like do you think the songs were good or do you think they were just kind of forgettable um well the first question i can't answer because this is my first time watching it so i've never heard the songs before mm-hmm. um, oh had you question- not heard had you not heard of like in anything else or see like what do you mean like like have you heard someone sing the unbirthday song in like another media or it, like does that make sense um, am i making sense is isn't unbirthday song in the animation like don't they mm-hmm. talk about it do they sing it is though it? i don't know if they yeah sing they it do in the, and not the animation the live action um, oh i'm not sure i don't know if they sing it in the live action or if it's in that one because the unbirthday song is from um alice through the looking glass or glass or whatever and that's mm-hmm. i think one of the live action films but um no i'd never i don't know but i don't think i'd ever heard anyone sing it but since the songs were literally 30 seconds to a minute long they were completely forgettable for me. Like mm. I, it really didn't stay in my mind. Right. What about you, Decoria? Yeah. I was going to say the same thing as Mary. Like they were so short and they went by so fast that like, by the time it was over, it was just like, okay. And like, you don't like really remember nothing like sticks. So, yeah. And I don't ever remember hearing the songs in other media either. Yeah. What about you, Tori? Um, same. I think the only one where it's, like, triggered, like, oh, I know this melody was painting the roses red. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the unbirthday song or the flower song or <laughs> any of it. And I definitely think it was a product of the songs being really short. It's, like, for this to be the 13th Disney animated film, it's very giving me should have been right after Snow White. Like... Mm. We'll talk about the regression of like the storytelling for this um after we get through everybody's parts. But yeah, I it was very um yeah, the the songs don't leave any impression and I don't think I've heard them any anywhere outside of the film. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's mostly it from my part. I'm I, I like the songs because I'm biased because I like this movie. Mm-hmm. Um but I know that's my bias. <laughs> I know that's me being biased. I know these songs are not they're not on the level of a Cinderella type vibe, but um, yeah, I, I do. I I decide to think it's just like if you're a hardcore Disney fan, you'll probably like this. But if you're just a casual listener or, or someone who just watches this movie a couple times, I doubt these songs will stick with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my part. 
All right, moving on to the origins and the originals with Mary. Okay, so um, my source is Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland booked in 1951 movie differences and Alice in Wonderland 10 differences between the book and the film. So the original is lit, written by Lewis Carroll, which is a pen name. Um, I think the name of the actual writer is... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Charles Lutwidge Dodgson. Mm. Um, And basically, the book and the movie are way too similar for me to do a recap. There are just, I don't know, stylistic choices that Disney changed. Um, It's not like, you know when I recapped, what was it, Pinocchio? And there were Mm -hmm. big differences. It's not like that at all. So I'm not going to recap it so i just did like five differences um between the film and the book so um disney's alice in the wonderland is actually a combination of uh lewis carroll's two alice books the first one alice's adventure in wonderland and through the looking glass um some of the differences are in the movie the caterpillar turns into a butterfly but in the book he simply walks away from alice in the book movie alice is up for at the end she's up for like trial while Mm -hmm. in the book it's the um what is i wrote knave of hearts that has to be wrong um king of hearts right is that the right term um from the cards the card deck yeah king of hearts and the cheshire cat is up for execution in the um in the book uh in the movie alice eats carrots um to make her smaller but in the book she eats a cake and then um in the book um when alice is in that room trying to figure out how to get out in the movie Mm -hmm. she talks to a doorknob in the book she's just simply in a room filled with a bunch of doors and so the article I read said that might have been a better way to make the story more engaging for her to talk with something else in the film, especially if it's a bunch of kids watching the film. And that's mostly it. There is this whole thing about how Lewis Carroll was a mathematician and Alice in the Wonderland um, is basically about his thoughts on like his like i don't know what it's called like his ideas on um his study and what math means and everything and i could not write down what exactly it meant because i was confused but (laughs) there's constant um talk about numbers and proportions throughout the entire film and it's attached to his um his study basically if y'all want to read it go ahead and read it but i just i couldn't i could not understand it at all not this being a math movie no like you're talking about how um when the caterpillar talks to alice and he says keep your temper how um that makes no sense at all because like alice really didn't go like off on him or anything like she wasn't irritable he was irritable when um he thought she called him three inches short but it's relating to like her proportions because she's constantly like going getting smaller and taller i was like no i'm not (laughs) i'm not about to delve into this there were math words i had never heard of before so yeah they're a tad so if you want to there's a little bit of that in the story okay that's really interesting 
Um, you said Knight of Hearts. I think you meant Knave of Hearts. Knave of Hearts. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Knave of Hearts. Yeah, yeah that's but yeah. that's really interesting because, like, oh, I don't how mm, the adaptation of the source material is very weird for this one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, but yeah but question oh, question ahead. though i don't mean to interrupt but like no, no, i'm curious good. about this um so really it w- this is probably super similar the actual content is super similar to the source material mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow so and usually disney does the opposites it's so like, this is really oh, it's yeah, like very little things are different like as like she's talking to the doorknob that's not there um uh, she's eating a cake instead of a carrot. Um, instead of um, when she grows big in the house, there's like a different character place there in the movie than there was in the book. It's like very small things are different. That's mm. very weird. Question: Is the is it like an actual book or is it like just like short stories? It's an actual in like the there's an actual book like um, beginning to end whole thing like. It's not like five pages or anything like that. I don't think well, so. Well, no, I'm saying like, is it like a see-through plot through each of the stories? Or is it just like, here's something that happened in Wonderland, and then this part, and then this part. Or like, they tied together. Is it is Alice the tied together? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, the way, it's tied together in the same way that this this movie is made. Like, that's how the book is, you know? That's very interesting yeah. from a writing perspective. Okay, let's get into... Are we are we done, Marion? Yes. Great job. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move into variations, similar stories, adaptations with Corey. Okay, so since this is an original work by Lewis Carroll, there's not any, like, origin story, but the book was based off of um, his relationship with... Well, not relationship. Well, I don't know how to explain this. There was a child named Alice Little who he was friends with their family and was close to the children in the family. Um, There's a lot of controversy surrounding that. I don't know if we want to talk about that. But yeah, that book is based off of her. Like she inspired Alice. Um, And so even though there's no like ancient origins of the story, there are like a lot of retellings and like film ad- adaptations at least. So mm-hmm. like... First, I'm going to talk about um, the direct sequel to the book um, called Alice Through the Looking Glass. Uh, Disney also made a movie for this uh, like back in 2016. It's like the, the sequel to the live action Alice in Wonderland. But Through the Looking Glass, um, this source is Wikipedia, by the way. Uh, Alice, again, enters a fantastical world. But this time, instead of like falling down a hole, she goes through a mirror world. And <laughs> she can see like everything beyond the mirror when she goes in it. And in this world... It's just like looking in a mirror. Everything is reversed, including logic. So, like, running, trying to run makes you stay still. And, yeah, walking away brings Mm. it towards you. Chessmen are alive. Stuff like that. Like, just complete nonsense. (laughs) And this film, when the film came out, it once again starred Johnny Depp, Anne Hathaway, Mia Wachowska, and all the other people. Once again, produced by Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. And so for a book that was kind of inspired by Alice in Wonderland. I don't know if y'all have seen have y'all seen a Coraline before? Yes, I have. Yes. So people compare Coraline and Alice in Wonderland a lot. 
I was never said whether or not the book Coraline was ever directly inspired by Alice in Wonderland, but there's definitely at least some similarities there. So in Coraline, which was written by Neil Gaiman, it has like a bit of a darker tone than Alice in Wonderland, but kind of follows the same exact themes. And so Coraline steps into a different world by basically discovering a small door hidden in her house. And in the other world, which is basically identical to her own, she discovers like a whole nother family and thinks that things are basically great there. And she's kind of tempted to just stay with them forever because it's better than her life at home. But then she soon realizes how like dangerous it gets. And that movie Mm -hmm. actually... Like, well, the movie that spawned from this book was extremely popular and it was released back in 2009. Okay. This was a very interesting watch. Um, Before um, we continue, can I read a paragraph explaining a section of the math in this film so y'all can understand? (laughs) I really need y'all to understand why I could possibly not do this. Okay. Okay. This is from Art Publica, AMAG. It's an article. And it mm-hmm. says, the Cheshire cat points Alice towards ma- the mad tea party where the Hatter, Hare, Dormouse, and Alice proceed to circle around static place settings in a way that strongly resembles modular design. The scene is a reference to William Rowan Hamilton, an Irish mathematician whose work he discovered quaternions, quaternions in 1843 pro- proved significant for the development of quantum mechanics, which was considered an important milestone in abstract algebra since it allowed for the algebraic calculations of rotations now how was i (laughs) this entire there are articles upon articles about this i was like no wow yeah that's hilarious wait so they're so the people who are writing these articles saying that the animators put in all this math thought no no that's yeah the original wasn't he like a mathematician he was yeah he is a mathematician oh okay that explains a lot of in recent times, like people have been like criticizing him a lot, rightfully so, um, because like back in the Victorian age, like they there was very suspicious stuff happening involving children and like mm-hmm. perception of children and shit like that. Oh uh, so. yeah, no. Oh, when no. who just said who just said that um, he was friend like he based the story off of a little girl. My red flag yeah. went up right there. No, I was like, same. I was like, oh my god, I made a face. Y'all can't see my face. I was like. <laughs> I did not yeah, I hear like, that. like a lot of modern historians basically like when they look at his works and stuff like his closeness with children is like very like huge red flag and like he used to take like photographs of like new children and stuff like that but, huh? like, oh no what? <laughs> what? Oh, no 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 I gotta get this out of my top five. It's not just him. It's that entire Victorian society that was normal for them back then. So they're having a hard time trying to like categorize him as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, um, I heard this on my favorite murder podcast the other day, but the Mad Hatter is based off the fact that they used to use they used to use mercury on the hats, those top hats. Mm-hmm. And so the people who would make them would go like, like, basically have mercury poison and go insane, and they called them like Mad Hatters because wow. they had to like mercury would slick down the rabbit's fur that was used for those hats. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite murder just did a whole episode on like Victorian beauty and like the poison, like ba- people basically using like rat poison and stuff to like look pale and shit. Like go listen to that, Goodness and he was like. Their episode that was from like last week. 
Oh, God. <laughs> like, no, but, like, they were using, like, there was, like, this green, the whole episode is about, like, this green dye colored that was basically what, um, f- not formaldehyde. It was some other poison or something like that. And it was, like, causing people to, like, have blisters and kids uh. to, like, fall sick and ill because it was on dresses and wallpapers and flowers and people were going bald. And I was just like, good God. <laughs> <laughs> So wow. yeah, eighteen the eighteen like the Victorian era was a time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but yeah. So those were our little sections. Now we're gonna go into lasting impacts and like impact on pop culture and all of that stuff. Um, one I just want to point out as a writer, I find it very interesting. Now that you said that he was a mathematician, now the math shit makes sense to me. But like as a writer, when you try to write like a f- it's very hard to write a story um, without having somebody look at it and being like, oh, I understand what you were trying to do. Because, like, when writers write stuff and they don't have people look over it or they don't reread it, it rarely makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so when you have somebody else, like a third eye, a fresh eye, to be like, okay, I don't understand how we got from point A to point C. Like, you're missing a point B. And so for the book, the original source material in the movie to be very similar, I don't know what Lewis Kirk carol's writing process was because if i was if you sat me down and said i need you to make me an alice in wonderland 3 or i mean the second animated film i would be like hmm i can't do that because what was the plot what was the what was the flow of the story like that's why i kept asking marion like is this short stories in a novel is this like one novel like or is it like short stories combined to be a novel because like no thinking like like thinking about like how i would write Oh, like an Alice in Wonderland 2? I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Because, like, but he has a second book, like, Through the Looking Glass. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> you have to be, I mean, all writers have different styles. But, like, everything that I've been taught about writing and narrative and how a story should be told is broken in this movie. And I think that's part of the reason why I don't like it. Like, sometimes it's good to break the will. Mm-hmm. But like Nia said earlier, why are we breaking something that wasn't, why are we you know breaking something um that was like working and so it feels like this this story this the way they decided to tell the story actually it literally feels like they had it for so long and they didn't know what else to do with it and so they went exactly with the source material and like i understand why the animated film wasn't a hit when it came out because who was supposed to go watch that? <laughs> like, <laughs> like children, adults, anybody, like going to watch that and being like, what what happened in that movie? <laughs> like, did we just waste 50 cents to go watch this film? That's like my reaction to it. I don't know about you guys. But um, no, it's interesting. I have a question, Nia. Has this movie always been a favorite since you were a kid? Kind not kind of like i think it became a favorite well wizard of oz has always been like if not top three it's always been like top of my favorite movies of all time and that could just be repetition because i would watch it like once a month um Mm -hmm. but i just love the the i like the story structure more than i actually like like the dialogue for example like parts of the movie like i don't know if this i'm what i'm trying to say makes sense like the I, i like the whole the way they do the, I like the fish out of water, like going into a strange mm-hmm. world. I like the nonsense thing. I grew up on a lot of Dr. Seuss stuff where a lot of the stories I read didn't make sense. Like, um, 
they were just kind of they rhymed and they like the drawings looked interesting and they kind of made me uncomfortable in a way I couldn't describe but like Alice kind of did that for me too where I was like I don't know why this is it's not scary it's not creepy but it makes me feel strange like when I see the Cheshire cat I don't get scared it's not like triggering for me but it's like I don't feel I feel uneasy and I I want that's how I feel about him too Right. Like there's certain things about this movie that make me feel uneasy, like uncomfortable, kind of frustrated, but in a way where like, even as a kid, I was like, it kept me engaged. Cause I, cause whenever they cut Alice off, it makes my blood boil. <laughs> but like, then I realized like, I'm t- like, she's a child. Like, so I, I have to remind myself in this movie, like she's being curious because she's like 10 and 10 year olds their attention span is like, Oh, this is fun. Oh, where'd that, where'd that go? Oh, what's here? oh hi like it's a lot of that and I guess as a kid like that resonated with me um I don't know I mean I it's probably one of my favorites because I just the art style is really pretty um I love the the nonsense of it all in the randomness and I know that's so hypocritical because I didn't like Pinocchio for that exact reason (laughs) (laughs) but I just guess it's, it's like that extra level of nostalgia for me um Mm -hmm. it feels like a a book that was meant for either high adults or children who don't who aren't able to understand why they don't why they're confused about what they're looking at does that make sense mm-hmm. I mean it does. like I like I don't know how to put it any other way I'll try to think of a better way to explain no no you're good that was a good explanation um I I'm just interested because like if I sat this down in front of a, a child who was six now who was born six years ago would they watch the entire film I don't know. I guess seeing mm. things from that age might be a little different, but like I feel like it, I feel like some I feel like it depends on the kid. Honestly, I feel like this is not mm-hmm. a movie for every kid. Like I, so I right. actually agree with you that for most kids, or just like I think the majority of kids probably will not like this, or they might get scared of it. To be honest, because mm. there are scenes where like when she goes into the scary parts of the forest and like like the butter, like the butter, what do they call it the bread birds like the certain things yeah. that just don't the make bread butterfly more and stuff yeah. yes yeah. like there's um, what do they call the pen insects and the mm-hmm. paper it's like all of it just doesn't make sense but i kind of like but i'm i like that kind of stuff if that makes sense so i feel like yeah. if there's a kid out there who grows up on a lot of stuff that's similar to this they might like it but i don't know if every kid will take to this so mm-hmm. i feel like it's a very niche movie um yeah okay my um one thing I do want to note that I did find interesting while watching this that this is correct me if I'm wrong but this is the first time that we've seen a character with a plus size body in Ooh. the Disney films so Queen of Hearts is it oh I think it is and so I'm interested to see how this will continue because if I'm not mistaken most of the plus size bodies in animated Disney films are villains yeah. and so this fairy uh, godmother. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fairy godmother okay. and Cinderella, right? Mm-hmm. That's interesting, but I want to note it and I want to see how that progresses as we continue, like, um, down the path of the animated films. Because, like, besides the fairy godmother, everybody's been, like, standard, skinny, like, probably mostly modeled after the actors that played them. And so I thought that was really interesting. I was just like, huh, that's the first time that I've recognized plus size body besides the fairy godmother so 
that'll be interesting to see continuing on as we go down the line of movies. But on a wrap up, what do we give Alice in Wonderland out of ten? Marion, you want to curse? Yeah, I give it a five. Okay. Okay. What about you, Corey? Yeah, I'll give it a five or a six. All right. Um, what about you, Nia? I'm biased. I'm gonna give it a ten like nine or a ten. Like I just love this movie. It's like one of my comfort movies. Um and that's the word I was missing, magical realism. It's like if you mm. if anybody out there has read a lot of magical realism or a lot of fiction that just kind of doesn't make a lot of sense, this kind of falls into that category. So it but it's not magical realism is not a popular <laughs> subgenre of literature. So it's not for everybody. But mm. yeah. yeah. Um I'm giving it a three out of ten. I feel like we regressed in narrative and plot wise. Um, even the animation style wasn't that like amazing. Like the colors are very vivid, but um, I don't know the live anim- the live action has done so much more for me considering the Alice in Wonderland franchise. So the animated oh, question: for me Do y'all like the live action more? Like, is it a really yes. good movie? Yeah. Yes, I do really like the live yeah. action more. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I might check it out. I've never seen the because it has the movie and the sequel, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I might check that out. Yes, 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 yes. But, um, so that was Alice in Wonderland. Next up on the list is Peter Pan. So that'll be our next Deconstructing Disney. You'll probably get that next month in the new year. Um, but thank you for listening to this. We love that you guys love this series. And we like doing this series. So, um, make sure you stick around. We're going to have a lot of great December content coming up. Um, but until next time, remember to follow us on Twitter, on TikTok, um, at Commented and Commented Podcasts. And please don't forget to give us a rate or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.